This is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting. Support for the legislature today is provided by West Virginia University, offering education, health care, and the opportunity to achieve career success since 1867. Information at go.wvu.edu slash forward. Welcome to the legislature today, I'm Randy Yoey. In the House today on third reading, cutting the social security tax, getting all that broadband fiber out for the cable on poles, and make it easier to visit certain grave sites. Phasing out the personal property tax on social security earnings over three years down to zero is the gist of House Bill 4880. West Virginia is one of 10 states still taxing social security at all. Delegate Larry Kump, a Republican from Berkeley County, says issues regarding taxation on Social Security or any pension or retirement program really, quote, grind his gears and gives him legislative heartburn. We've been fooling around with this taxation issue on Social Security for many years now, and I'm grateful that we're going to be doing some more on it. I wish we were doing it more quickly and taking care of the issue completely since all our, all our surrounding states do not tax Social Security benefits. I'm further concerned about our poor retired public employees and the cost of living issue on their pensions, but that's another issue. House Bill 4880 passed 96 to 0 and now goes to the Senate. One of the biggest challenges to getting statewide broadband connection is attaching fiber optic cable to utility poles that are either undersized or overcrowded. House Bill 4706 creates the Utility Pole Rights of Way and Easement Mapping Initiative. Delegate Daniel Linville, a Republican from Cabell County, says the bill he sponsors helps cut bureaucratic red tape. The, the big issue with pole attachments has been the regulatory side of it and how long it takes to get approved to even go begin construction. And so the intent of this bill is to make it a lot easier and to provide that data that we already have and or that the pole owners already have uh, to potential attachers. That means broadband companies that want to go do construction and hopefully speed up that process. House Bill 4706 passed 96 to 0 and goes to the Senate. And House Bill 4008 amends the time required for providing notice of an entry onto land for visiting a grave from 10 days to not three, but five. Delegate Amy Summers, Republican from Taylor County and an amateur genealogist, says the bill she sponsors covers more than just visiting a grave. You know, in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, there's a lot of graves on private property. And for you to be able to go there and to tour that, you have to give this 10-day written notice to the landowner. This is not only just about visiting, but it's also about burying. And that's why I had it at three days before judiciary changed it to five, because now the funeral home has to hold the body five days, where they may not have to otherwise, uh, to make arrangements to bury on a on a grave site on private land. But this is an improvement, it's half the days. House Bill 4008 passed 95 to zero and also now goes to the Senate. Today, the Senate looked at bills on missing children, SNAP benefits, the right to repair bill, and oil and gas property taxes. Brianna Heaney has more. 
The Senate passed a bill today that aims to help law enforcement investigations in missing children. Senate Bill 768 creates exemptions for law enforcement officers and the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children in accessing confidential records from the Department of Human Resources. Senator Charles Trump, a Republican from Morgan County, is the lead sponsor of the bill. He says the bill was crafted in consultation with the Department of Human Resources. Uh, when a child is missing or runs away from home, I think every law enforcement officer would agree that time is of the essence. So this, this will expedite that and make it clear that the uh, DHS has the authority uh, to do that. A sunset clause is a note on a bill that gives it an expiration date unless other legislative action is taken to extend the bill or to remove that expiration date. The Senate moved closer to passing a bill that would remove the sunset clause from a bill passed in 2021. That 2021 bill created the formula for how gas and oil operators and property owners are taxed. Without the removal of the sunset clause, the bill will expire in 2025. Currently, landowners who own the land that has the well on it and separate corporations operate the well to extract oil and gas. In a public hearing held last week, landowners complained that the current tax practice lacks consistency and transparency. Landowners say they don't know what the operators sell the gas for, but on the flip side, they pay taxes on a number related to what the operators sell the gas for. Senator Lauren Chapman, an Ohio County Republican, says she received dozens of calls from landowners and moved to amend the bill to have the mineral rights evaluated at fair market value. And I've gotten dozens of calls from concerned constituents regarding the manner in which the minerals are valued. However, Senator Eric Tarr, a Putnam County Republican, opposed the amendment, saying that a lot of the pains associated with this year's tax relate to the two-year delay in taxes. And so what happens is, is now maybe, maybe gas is bottomed out. We're kind of in that situation now in West Virginia where we had a real high assessment or a high valuation because of prices and now a very low um, severance collections because prices are down. So what happens then is now the taxes are due for when, that, when you're receiving all those funds where the gas, is, gas price was high. And so it's got a lot of people um, up in arms now because they're realizing they're going to have to pay while the revenue is low for what the value of a property when they were receiving it when it was high. The current tax code has proven to be complicated for the state tax division. Recently, the tax division provided landowners incorrect assessments that are costing counties and landowners millions of dollars. A bill that would affect West Virginia public broadcasting is advancing through the Senate. Senate Bill 844 changes the name and reduces the number of governor-appointed members. The bill also allows the Secretary of Arts, Culture, and History to appoint the executive director, a role previously filled by the Educational Broadcasting Authority. Another bill advancing through the House would expand the mandatory employment and training requirements that people receiving SNAP benefits must complete. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Brianna Heaney in Charleston. War hero Herschel Woody Williams was honored at the U.S. Capitol following his death. Now a statue of him could be on permanent display there. Curtis Tate has more on that. Williams by placing a statute of him in the National Statutory The West Virginia Senate Finance Committee approved a resolution Wednesday that will place a statue of Marine Corporal Woody Williams in Statuary Hall at the U.S. Capitol. 
Williams, the last surviving Medal of Honor recipient from World War II, died in 2022 at age 98. Lawmakers from both parties and both chambers paid tribute to Williams in the Capitol Rotunda. If the legislature approves the resolution, a statue of Williams would replace that of John Kenna, a Confederate veteran who was later elected to the U.S. House of Representatives and Senate. Kenna's statue would then be moved to the Culture Center in Charleston. Williams' youngest grandson, Chad Graham, thanked the committee. His singular focus prior to his passing was that he wanted to communicate it that, that was not on his behalf, but on behalf of his fellow West Virginians, and of course, all of those that he proudly served with, and especially those that did not get to come home and their Gold Star families. We feel as a family, this is such a tremendous honor. It is something that we were so humbled and excited to hear about and applaud those that are working on this endeavor to make certain that once again, uh, Woody's platform is used to bring attention to others and to bring attention to the great state of West Virginia. Senator Rupi Phillips, a Logan County Republican, was one of the resolution's co-sponsors. Thank you for sharing Woody with us. He is absolutely was a joy to meet. Um, I don't think anybody would ever, that met him was ever disappointed in meeting him. He made many trips to Logan and I mean, he was just a wonderful man. And God, you're so blessed to be his grandson. And yes, sir. It's, it's an honor for you to be here today, and it's an honor to be a co-sponsor of this. And I, I thank the chairman for, for bringing this before us today, and, and thank you for your family. Senator Mike Oliverio, a Monagalia County Republican, noted that Williams was from neighboring Marion County. We are especially proud of that son of Marion County in my district, and we have the armory is named for him in our community, and uh, we admired his service both in the military, but then his countless years of working with our military committee here in the Senate and all the work he's done. So uh, I'm excited about this opportunity. I, for one, have been a person who walked through Statutory Hall and looked around and said, who the hell's this Kenny guy? I didn't even know who it was. And uh, I did find out later, uh, but, uh, but we're excited about the prospect of, of Woody being forever memorialized there in Washington, D.C. The committee had to make a slight correction to the resolution before approving it. The original version had the incorrect date, by a day, when Williams was awarded the Medal of Honor for his actions in combat in 1945 on the Pacific island of Iwo Jima. Correction made, Finance Chairman Eric Tarr, a Putnam County Republican, took the final vote on Senate Concurrent Resolution 30. It was unanimous. For the legislature today, I'm Curtis Tate. The House Education Committee moved to address a critical shortage of special education staff, while the Senate Ed Committee took a rarely seen action in their meeting. Chris Schultz has that story. Wednesday was the first ever special education day at the Capitol and the House Education Committee took the opportunity to move House Bill 4902. The bill would first raise the pay of special education aides to match the pay of early childhood classroom assistant teachers created by last year's Third Grade Success Act. And then it would give special education aides a 5% raise on top of that. The bill also gives a 10% raise to special education teachers in self-contained classrooms, where students with the most complex needs, who require the most support, are placed. 
another component of the bill that required board members who are certified in the subject area of a critical vacancy to go to the classroom and fill that position until someone is hired to do so was removed by amendment during the and meeting. So the second question would be... Bill sponsor Delegate Elliot Pritt, a Republican from Fayette County, said he agreed with the amendment because it left the most important action intact. And we have people sitting in board offices at desks while who are qualified to do jobs in the classroom while we have critical vacancies in classrooms across counties. And all this would have done is tell them, hey, if there's an empty critical vacancy, you have to be in the classroom till it's filled. And you want to talk about lighting a fire under somebody's rear end to aggressively um, try to find someone to fill those positions, you, you make them leave their office to go into that position for a while. So The bill was voted to the House floor, but first with a recommendation to the House Finance Committee. The bill does not have a fiscal note at this time, and Delegate Mike Pushkin, a Democrat from Kanawha County, urged his colleagues on that committee to take HB 4902 seriously. And this is something that's needed. Uh, we It's at a crisis level, the shortage that we have in our special education classrooms. So I, I certainly hope that they prioritize this bill. I know it's late in the session for us to take this up, but better late than never. So those of you that are on the Finance Committee, get on it. The Senate Education Committee met Thursday morning and took a rare action to reconsider an amended bill that they had recommended to the full Senate Tuesday. Senate Bill 813 would allow students to participate in non-school competitive activities and remove restrictions on external teams as a condition for playing a school, team, or sport. Senator Mike Oliverio, a Monongalia County Republican, rescinded his amendment extending the bill's provisions to coaches, allowing them to coach multiple teams. So I think the goal of this bill is to give opportunities to children, but also give flexibility to parents to be able to decide what activities they will allow their children to participate in, which ones they'll drive them to the school or locations for. Uh, so I, I think there's some, some good that can come from this bill. The unamended bill was once again recommended to the full Senate. For the legislature today, I'm Chris Schultz in Charleston. Scientific and social research must start somewhere. On Undergraduate Research Day at the Capitol, you can learn how theories develop into information meant to help people. This is the 21st annual Undergrad Research Day with students representing colleges and universities from around the state with subject matter as varied as they come. Kaylee Crook, a West Virginia University senior, presented her research on social determinants of health disparities in West Virginia. She says her findings focused on mental health. West Virginia citizens on average experience seven to nine mental health days per month that they consider to be poor mental health days. Um, so we wanted to further that study and see um, if the number of poor mental health days per month experienced had any contributing factors to disparities in working memory. Um, and we were able to see that um, West Virginians who did experience poor mental health earlier in life um, went on to develop disparities in working memory and which later then turn into dementia and Alzheimer's and things like that. Madison Woolwine, a University of Charleston junior, found in her research topic, Build a Bridge, Gender Wage Gap Widens in Appalachia, ratios that were not a surprise. I chose Kentucky and West Virginia because they are regionally similar historically, socially, and economically. They both fall under Appalachia. I wanted to look at the gender wage gap and how it compared to the national average. And I found that uh, nationally, women are earning less than men. But in Appalachia, West Virginia, and Kentucky, they're actually earning less than the national average. So they're earning less than men nationally. And then on top of that, they earn 
less than men in Kentucky and West Virginia at an even lower rate. Marshall University senior Preston Sellard's high-flying research was titled Autonomous Drones, Multiple Drone Control and Obstacle Avoidance in an Obstacle-Deployed Environment. Sellard said in layman's terms, the research focuses on advancing drone interworkings and exploring future applications. So this basically helps with um, like really technical things where their drones are able to uh, communicate amongst themselves on their own without needing any input or control from anybody else. What else? What, what, what are those future plans? So a lot of uh, applications for this are like in inspections. So, you know, there's big, tall power plant steam stacks. You know, you can have a drone do it by itself, create an entire 3D image of anything, you know, any nooks, crannies that uh, need inspected. There's a bunch of different things like uh, cave exploration. So like if the, someone gets trapped in a cave, you can use a drone and help, you know, get them out and communicate with them. Um, there's a lot more, like uh, there's a lot of uh, drones been used uh, in the Ukraine war. That's more on the military side. That's not really what we're focused on, but there's a bunch of different things. At Undergraduate Research Day, variety is more than the spice of life. It's the research that may help make so many aspects of our lives better. From staffing to security, West Virginia's schools are facing a variety of issues. Bills introduced this year have ranged from associate's degrees for vocational students to reducing barriers for teacher certification. Chris Schultz brings us an interview about legislative action to address the state's educational problems. Thank you, Randy. I'm joined now by Senate Education Committee Chair, Senator Amy Grady. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So before we get into any specific bills or any specific details about the very uh, encompassing topic of education in the legislature, I wanted to ask you a little bit about some of these funding mechanisms. I've noticed this year that you have kind of gotten ahead of the curve a few times with, with some bills and, and let us know that you've spoken to, to Senator Tarr, Senate Finance Chair, that the fiscal note has been waived. You know, we've, we've addressed the issue of this being a potential issue. Can you talk to me a little bit about that process? So sometimes when you have a bill and their funding is already there and it addresses um, the same thing that's in that line item in the funding formula, all you have to do is have a bill that states we're going to expand that with using funds that are already available. And so if he'll waive that, waive that fee or waive that second reference, he usually will because it's less that they have to worry about in finance committee. And also if it's no fiscal note, no fiscal impact, the money is already there and you don't have to worry about that. So uh, we're looking into this after session to start really diving into that funding formula, see how we can change it. A lot of states are doing that right now, and it's been, I don't even know how many years, but it's been way too long before we, and we need to get it caught up with the times, you know, and the needs that we have now as a school system versus 40 years ago. Right, in, in which time West Virginia's demographics, and, and to say nothing of the differences between counties, has changed drastically. Absolutely. Um, so talking about funding, uh, school discipline, you know, we've, we, we've seen these bills, uh, I'm thinking of uh, this bill that allows elementary school teachers to do the same that middle and high school teachers can now do as of this year, which is remove a, a student that's causing a serious disruption. Part of that bill asks counties uh, to create an alternative education system. Some counties already have that in place, others don't beyond your traditional alternative education, but Talk to me a little bit about the need for this program, but also who's going to pay for this for those counties that don't have this yet? So that's the, that's the biggest issue, is we have 21 counties that have an elementary alternative education program. Those programs all look very different. 
So nothing is uniform, which it shouldn't be because you have different, you know, Cabell County is a lot different than Mason County, for instance. So their needs are different. But the programs that we want them to have are those programs that when a kid is removed from a classroom, they go into this program where it can focus on what the behaviors are and what's causing the behaviors, teach them how to regulate that to, for lack of a better term, rehabilitate them back into the classroom so they can stay there. And so 21 counties have it. And we put in the bill to make sure that you could share services. And what that means is not necessarily taking the child across, across county lines, but having the specialist come across county lines to help with whatever's happening in their neighboring county. Because even though we are county school systems, these are all our kids. And I know that everybody will want to help. And then the next thing we'd like to do is once the money is opened up to apply for grants, the opioid settlement money, is to have counties apply for that so that they can set up their own behavioral intervention program. And we can have them in 55 counties to start out. And then as things change, maybe start funding them as we see what kinds are working, right? Because we want to see which counties are doing it correctly, which ones aren't, and modeling after the ones that are. So we came into this session with school discipline being uh, one of the banner issues. Mm -hmm. uh, I know that uh, Senate President Craig Blair discussed it, you and I discussed it coming into this session. Um, do you feel that this bill uh, or this uh, system has addressed the issue or does, no does more need to be done? It's a beginning. Um, definitely more will need to be done. We need more mental health professionals in our schools. We need more counselors. Uh, we need a lot of help for these students. But my main concern is that we are spending a lot of time and resources on these students and I don't want to seem like I'm not compassionate or that they don't matter because they do because we've really got to figure out what is happening to make them behave this way. But we've got the rest of the class that we also have to worry about. We need to make sure we're taking care of their needs and that's where the majority of our focus should be and it hasn't been, which is why our education system is in the shape that it's in. Is we're focusing on all of the students that have all these special issues that we want to try to fix. And that's great, we should try to fix that. But the, the other kids that are in the classroom are the ones that we, we really need to focus on. The, the shift needs to be there. So we've got to find the help for the one kid who's causing all the problems while also focusing the majority of our time on the students in the classroom. Obviously, this is a very complex issue. We're talking about individual students with individual needs in individual counties that have their own unique needs. But I wonder, you know, we've seen the House advance a bill to limit the scope of county of, uh, school counselors, excuse me. Um, I believe that that's in front of your committee right now. You obviously have until beyond Sunday night to, to deal with that. Is that something you think you're gonna see come out of your committee? It's something we've discussed. Um, as the bill came across, it was the same bill that came over last year. I do have some concerns about it because there are some things in the bill that I feel counselors do need to do specific, specifically in high school. They do have to help calculate GPAs. They do have to help, help with scheduling because they're trying to keep the kids on a track to graduation and trying to keep them on track to whatever they wanna do after graduation. So that is an important part of being a counselor. I do understand there's a lot of things that they are expected to do, but there are a lot of things that happen in a school that are, I guess, we don't ever anticipate to happen. And if the counselor is the person that's available there to help things go smoothly, then that's that's what they're needed for. You know, you have, I can't even begin, I could take the whole time to talk about the issues that we have that counselors help with. So it's a bill that I'll consider, and I have considered, but I, I've talked with the department about it too, and we've talked about some things that need to change if it's ran. So we're talking about staffing, um, you know, when we talk about school counselors, because what that bill is addressing is sometimes, unfortunately, we're seeing school counselors being placed into positions like, let's say, for example, special education needs someone to fill in. You cannot leave those classrooms unattended. And to that point, 
just today we saw the House Education Committee uh, move a bill that I know you have a counterpart of in the Senate Education Committee, hoping to raise the pay of special education professionals. Um, why do you think that's so important and, and, and what are its chances this year? Well, there are a few, few things that makes that important. Um, when we passed the Third Grade Success Act last year, a lot of the aides that were in special education classrooms bid on the jobs that were the instructional aides, um, mostly because it's a different type of job. You know, it takes a different type of person. It could be viewed as easier in different ways, right? Um, and so the, the special education teachers, same thing, we're not keeping them. Uh, they, ha they are taking care of our most vulnerable kids. I'm talking about diaper changes, feedings, things like that. You know, kids that can't take care of themselves. It takes a special person. And a lot of people can't handle that or they feel like they're not appreciated or they're, they, they hardly ever have a substitute so they know they'll never get to take a day off when they need one. Um, and so it's important to make sure we let them know we understand and we know that you do need a little bit more of a pay raise because you do have to put up with some very special situations. And I would love to see that. I, it's not gonna go anywhere this year, just it's not in the budget, but I would love to have the discussions. And as we look at that um, funding formula, find some ways that we can revamp that so that we can create a special spot to make sure that we can fund that where special education teachers get some sort of incentive um, every year so that they stay in special education. There's that word again of uh, the budget, which is gonna be the next major issue for everyone in this mm -hmm. building in the coming days. Um, speaking of the coming days, we alluded to this earlier, bills need to be out of committee over the weekend. Um, do you feel that you've gotten what you need to get out and, and are you trying to squeeze anything out in these next couple days? No, we had our last committee meeting today. I feel like I got what I needed to get out. Anything that had a fiscal note, I checked with my finance chairman. Uh, what I don't want to do is run a, run a bill with a large fiscal note and let it die over there and look like, throw my finance committee under the bus, so to speak. Let it look like they're just not running the bill. So I like to communicate with them first and say, you know, is this something that you think we could include or we could have discussions about? Um, there have been a few with fiscal notes that I have ran just to have the discussion so that it's there just in case we say, wow, we can we can do this this year. But um, for the most part, I've ran everything out that I'm going to. Um, I don't feel like there's a it's a good to waste time in committee just to run bills because they've been introduced. Well, Senator, unfortunately, that is all the time we have. Um, I'm certain that you and I could sit here for hours and keep talking on we these. Uh, but I, I, I want to thank you and we appreciate the time mm -hmm. that you've uh, given to us today. Back to you, Randy. Thank you for spending this time with us. Catch the legislature today, Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. And remember, West Virginia Public Broadcasting covers the session daily in our radio news program, West Virginia Morning, and on our news site at wvpublic.org. We also broadcast the daily floor sessions of both the House and Senate on the West Virginia Channel. I'm Randy Yowie. For everyone here at WVPB, thanks for joining us and have a great evening. Support for the legislature today is provided by West Virginia University, offering education, health care, and the opportunity to achieve career success since 1867. Information at go.wvu.edu slash forward.